Today is Thursday, August 31st, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Pro-life activists lose their court case and could face up to 11 years in prison for trying to save babies from being aborted. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe and leave a rating. Email us if you'd like. Quick Start Podcast at CBN. Dot org. Joining me now, as always, Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell. What's up, gentlemen? It's Friday, Junior. Yeah, we're almost to the weekend. Yep. Right. On a roll. We're, we're all, we're, this is smooth sailing. Well, I hope so. Everyone's <laughs> dealing with a lot down south right now. Crazy scene down there. We'll have more on that on the podcast today. And what do we have coming up on the focus story? Well, we're going to be talking about the stunning proportion of Americans who report interacting with dead relatives. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, I, I'm at a loss for words at that one. I mean, that is I, well, I'm looking forward to hearing the details of this because how <laughs> that's my question is how how is this a thing? But uh, we'll find out. And on the main thing, we're talking to Young Minds founder. Kristen Jensen about what is going on with pornography and the churches and how they're addressing it, if they're addressing it at all. So we talk about that on the main thing today. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And Hurricane Adalia pummeled Florida's northern Gulf Coast yesterday morning as a Category 3 hurricane made its way inland across southern Georgia. CBN's Brody Carter reported from the scene. You can check out his updates over at CBNnews.com. A jury found five pro-life activists guilty of violating federal law in connection with a 2020 blockade of a Washington, D.C. abortion facility. And all of the defendants were taken into custody following the verdict. The jury began deliberations on Friday. They took a break on Monday. And then they found activist Lauren Handy and others guilty of violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances, or FACE Act, and conspiracy against quote-unquote rights. Concerns are mounting over the health of Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell after the Kentucky Republican froze up once again during a news conference. This is the second time this has happened in 35 days. After a reporter asked him a question about running for re-election, McConnell began to answer, but then trailed off and was caught in an empty stare for about 10 seconds before AIDS whisked him away. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out more stories over at CBNnews.com. I watched this clip of Mitch McConnell, and it's sad. It's the second time this has happened in just over a month. It just makes you wonder, what are we doing clinging on to power so when i say we these there's a because there's a few of them now who have clear health issues why are they clinging on to this power i don't get it i don't either i don't know what's in their hearts i just know i'm watching this and i'm thinking you know i hope to be active when i'm elderly and and up there i hope to be doing things i'm not saying i'm just going to retire and right off into the sunset but the idea that you'd want to continue in these high stress positions it can't help you it can't help you at that point in your life but beyond that if you have grandchildren and children why would you not want to spend your time with them instead of doing this i don't i just i i watch it and i think how sad from that perspective but then also 
I mean, who's propping these people up? Are people ignoring these issues? It feels, I mean, you watch the aides around him and they seem very alarmed by this. I just think it's a little sad that that we have allowed it to get to this point. Yeah, and I, I worry about the people who are around them. Like, is it an issue of not feeling like you can confront these lawmakers, like not feeling like you can say anything to Mitch McConnell or to Dianne Feinstein, whatever, whether Democrat or Republican, are they just surrounded by so many yes people that they're, not having anybody who's saying, pulling them aside and caring for them enough to say, do you really need to keep doing this? Is this really, you know, how you want to live the latter part, the the latter years of your life? Because more than anything, I mean, I don't really care if you're a Democrat or Republican when it comes to this issue. It just makes me feel terrible for the for the lawmaker that this is the position that either their own blindness or the blindness of those around them, they've remained in this position when they could be living out uh, enjoying the fruits of their labor, right? They've worked really hard. They've spent years, whether we agree or disagree on term limits, they've spent many, many, many years working. Go just enjoy the latter days of your life and and just rest on on, on your accomplishments rather than staying in D.C. It's not a fun place to be, I can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, Mitch McConnell is 81 years old. You know, Dianne Feinstein has had her health issues as well, 90. And then you have Joe Biden in office at 80 years old. And look, let's be honest, when you're in your 80s, if someone dies in their 80s, are you surprised when you see so-and-so died of a heart attack at 82? Are you shocked? And here we have these people, like you said, Trey, these high-stress jobs, and they're trying to do it at 80 years old. I just, okay, can I, Yeah, go ahead. I have to say something else, and this is just the, and I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but... You know, when when you are dealing with that high stress at that age, and some people can, right? It's a case-by-case basis, but are you able to deliver what the people who've elected you have brought you into office to do in an appropriate and full functional way? And I think that's another question that people like Nikki Haley and others are addressing it very openly, saying, hey, there need to be cognitive tests, or there need to be... But I do think there's something to that. I mean, you've been elected to do a job and to represent people. These are the most important positions in the world, but but especially in this country. Yeah, absolutely. And and aside from just your physical health, then there's the issue of term limits. And should somebody be in office for 50 years, 60 years of the 80 years of their life, and they're just there forever and ever and ever, and we wonder why nothing changes? Well, it kind of stands to reason that when you have the same people in there over and over and over again, wielding the power behind the scenes, it shouldn't be a surprise that well, not a lot changes. Yeah, and I, th- I think this is another instance of where the rules are different for people in Washington. The rules are different for our politicians because at, would this conversation even be taking place in the private sector? No, we don't do that with our no, politicians. We, we leave don't. them there. <laughs> we don't, we don't at all. But and nevertheless, I hope uh, Mitch McConnell gets better. I hope whatever this is, it's happening to him subsides and goes away the bigger picture i hope people that are in office start looking at the the more important things in life than just clinging on to an office so all right well we are going to head on over to the focus story now and we talked about it at the top billy there are a lot of people here who are saying that they've interacted with dead relatives this is just bizarre to me you know, this is the John Edwards thing from back in the day. What is this story? What are people saying? 
Yeah, so this is one of those stories that grabs your attention, and and we're going to break it down because there are some elements that people might say, oh, okay, maybe I understand parts of that. But the Pew Research Center, which is obviously a well-respected research firm, they asked this question earlier this year, and it was over 5,000 people who were included in this survey, people of all different religious beliefs. And so really, really interesting, right? It's a pretty wide swath of people. But what they found was that 53% of Americans said that they've interacted with dead relatives through dreams or other means. And so either they had a dream about a dead relative, which which is, you know, one thing, or the, the other means. That's the part that's kind of interesting, right? Like what, what exactly does that mean? And I can give you a couple of the numbers here because these stats are really, are really interesting. 46% of Americans said that they had the interaction in a dream, right? But 31% said that it, it unfolded in another way. And so to get more specific on that, 34% said they felt the presence of a deceased loved one. That's three in 10 Americans saying that they felt the presence of a dead you know, loved one. 28% have told this person about their lives. So, you know, you see in movies, people go to grave sites and they talk to the people who have passed away. And that can be something you do more for yourself. You know, you may not actually believe that they could hear you. Right. Um, but again, almost three in 10 saying that same thing. Now, this is the one, this is the stat that I found really fascinating. 15% said that they've had a deceased family member communicate with them. So that is very strange. Now, um, the other part of this that's interesting is that 44% of Americans said that they had at least one of those three things that I mentioned happen over the past year. So this has happened within the last 12 months for them. Very odd indeed. What do you think are some caveats here, Billy? Well, yeah, this is the thing, right? We could say, okay, 53% of the population believes that they're communicating with their loved ones in some way, but that we don't really know what that communication looks like because they weren't able, and Pew admitted this, to actually go deeper and to ask the questions that needed to really be asked to understand whether or not, and this is actually a quote from Pew, this was, quote, mysterious or supernatural, or whether they see them, their deceased loved ones, as having natural or scientific causes or some of both. So whether or not this is something that, you know, they're just having a dream of their dead, you know, father or mother, and it's a nice memory, right? That's one thing. That's not necessarily supernatural. You're trying to communicate. You're just, you've had a dream and that's your quote unquote communication with them. But then there's the other side, right? Are people trying to communicate with their dead loved ones, right? That 15% that said they felt that their dead loved ones were communicating with them, that is a different thing. Those are two very divergent dynamics there. And so we don't know from this data what percentage really um, of those 53% or those smaller numbers that I mentioned actually are trying to communicate or having some sort of supernatural or even view it as a supernatural dynamic. Why do you think this data is kind of important for us to know from a spiritual perspective? Yeah, you know, there, there were some really interesting numbers in this. Well, first, let me answer directly on that. This is important because if people are trying to communicate with dead loved ones, that's something that the Bible obviously warns us not to do. Um, you know, Leviticus 19.31, it says, do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. And so God speaks very clearly on this. Yeah, again, we don't know that that's what's going on here, but when you dig into the numbers spiritually, um, you know, agnostics and atheists, they were obviously less likely to report having a visitation or an interaction with a dead loved one. And that would make sense because they, they're the least likely to believe that anything exists beyond 
you know, the temporal space that we're in right now. Although I did find it interesting that 26% of atheists were having these experiences, right? Uh, maybe most of them were having the dreams. I don't know. Uh, but, but this was actually very high among Catholics, 66% of Catholics and 67% of historically black Protestants, um, you know, were reporting these experiences and, you know, among evangelical Protestants, pretty low it was 42%, much lower than some of the other groups. So it matters because spiritually, especially where we are culturally right now, understanding how people view life after death and their interactions with their loved ones. I think that's an important thing for us to be aware of, which is why, Pew is asking the question. Yeah, and you talk about um, the warning from Scripture, which you're right on that. Today, the temptation is to, when we're going through a trial or maybe we're going through, it's it's emotional. The temptation is going to be try to, potentially, it could be to try to reach out to them. It's a lot harder when you're in an emotional state to think through these things. Yeah, well, and one more thing on that, too, you know. A lot of people I've noticed when they lose a, a father or a mother or a loved one that, that my, you know, my family is looking out for me. This person is watching over me. It takes the place of God, that individual. And that's a real problem, I think, mm -hmm. when we talk yes. about th this issue. And we need to be aware of that, that we're not actually worshiping a person who has passed on and putting them in the place of God. Part of it is just uh, uh, people don't understand scripture or they don't have that maybe it's not that they don't understand scripture it's that they haven't studied it and that they don't have those passages i mean i'm talking to myself too it's like when i go through something that's really trying or is I, i'm grieving something really significant i haven't done what the word says which is to commit it to my heart right so i don't have those verses at the ready that are just kind of washing over me mentally and spiritually. And if you do have those things in place, I think then that becomes your default go-to. But when you don't have it in place, you're going to turn to the things of the world. I think the world is going to offer us all kinds of crazy things. Um, and I think it just shows how easily deceived we are and how wicked our hearts are that we would say, well, I don't believe in God, but I'm willing to believe in this. Um, it's like, how can you believe in one with, without believing in the other? But I think that just shows the folly of, of humanity. Um, so, yeah, I think this story is just a great reminder to when you're going through a trial, to, to know the Word of God, to commit those passages to your heart, because that's what's going to carry you through, uh, not this stuff. Though it is real, it's dangerous. Uh, and if we kind of get ourselves tangled in that, we can get really, really deep into that. I know, Billy, you've talked to a lot of people uh, who warn about that, like Jen Niza. I know you've you've had her on several times, and she warns against this kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And to do it now, you know, while you're before the trial hits, and then you're in an emotional state, and then maybe you might just, you know, go off the rails because you have that you don't have that, uh, like you said, Trey, put in place uh, for us to just automatically go to. We know to go to these things. It's why it's so important for us to repeat scripture over and over and over again. Let the word marinate on our hearts uh, so that it's there when we need it. So, all right. Thanks for bringing that one, Billy. Appreciate it. We're going to head to the main thing now. And Defend Young Minds founder Kristen Jensen is author of the book Good Pictures, Bad Pictures speaks with Trey today about the importance of addressing pornography within the church and having ongoing conversations with our children about sexuality and God's design for sexual expression. In incredibly crucial, especially today with all the sexual chaos going on uh, in our culture. That's today's main thing. Why do you think Christians have been so reticent? to step in and address this topic, knowing how pervasive it's become in our society. There's a high degree of 
of in the church, sure. there's a lot of people addicted to pornography. Sadly, they got caught when they were younger. They're not bad people, but they yeah. got a bad habit, right? And so um, that always, you know, maybe you're feeling a little conflicted to talk about something that you, you know, yourself have had problems with. Yeah. Uh, that might be one thing. But I would hope that all of those people that have had problems would actually turn that around and say, you know, I had problems, but I want to make sure the next generation mm. does better than me. You know, I used to tell my girls, all you have to do when you're a mom is be better than your mom. And that won't be hard. So, you know, how <laughs> about it? But if we can do more for the next generation than what was done for us, yeah. we were trapped, we were caught, but our kids don't have to be you know we can teach them we can warn them yeah and uh give them a chance yeah there's gonna be some kids that you know won't learn except by their own sad experience right yeah. but there are a lot of kids that will learn through instruction through persuasion and say you know what i don't want that a part of my brain yeah you know your work and the the books that you've written are just, as you've said, one of just a very small handful of, uh, handful of tools that are accessible to young age children. Yeah. What's the response that you've had from parents who are, oh, thankfully, there's something that I could finally talk to my kids about. Yeah. What's been the reaction you've gotten? So early on, I kind of did a lot more convincing. Mm -hmm. You know, like, this really is a problem and yeah. your kids really could get into it. And even though you've got a filter, but now I notice when I'm coming to conferences and talking to people, it's all like, give me all you got. Like, I know this is a problem. And um, we've noticed a real shift. Uh, and so that is very heartening because when you have parents that are recognized that this is a problem and recognize that doesn't mean that they're bad parents, it doesn't mean that they're, they have bad kids. They have good kids and they're good parents, but they're facing a powerful foe um, and the best and the brightest in various industries are working to, it's predatory, and they're working to capture a whole new generation to, you know, come up the funnel of being hooked on pornography. Yeah. And yeah. we don't need to stand by and be quiet, be all uncomfortable, be shy. So sometimes when I talk, I'm like, okay, everyone say the word pornography. Mm. We need to have power over that word. Yeah. Not let it like, oh my gosh, you know. Yeah. No, say it and explain what it is to your kids and explain the dangers because there's so many arms and I could list a few, you know, there's so many harms that pornography does to children. Um, for example, it is informing popular culture and making kids into like sexy, this idea of sexy kids. Yeah. It is developmentally inappropriate for children to be sexualized. Right. And yet I see cute little videos of kids dancing to a very sexual music. But it also in like it inhibits their normal development. And you know, kids of a certain age, they need to use their brain space and all their energy to like develop non-sexually, develop all these yeah. areas of their brain that, that have nothing to do with sex. At some point they will need to develop the sexual part, but that comes later. If you introduce it prematurely with pornography, um, it just harms. And then they can get into, um, they imitate what they see in pornography on other children. 
So sibling sexual trauma is a huge thing. We wrote about it recently, and it was a wildly popular article mm. on defendyoungminds.com. Yeah. And, you know, kids can get into an addiction. We don't let them smoke. We don't let them drink. But they can get into porn and get addicted from a very young age. Yeah. Um, and I, just so many men that I've talked to, uh, you know, I've said, you know, I struggled with this. I struggled with this, but I want better for my kids, yeah. you know, and I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Well, I think so much of it is not having a stream of communication, which I think is what's so important about the work that you're doing and the books that you're creating, because it opens a door. It's creating a pathway for conversation. So my last question for you is what word of wisdom would you give to parents who pick up the book? who read it with their kids, but want to have an ongoing conversation. So it doesn't just yeah. stop after they read the book. How do we keep open lines of communication? That is beautiful. That's the best because it's not the book that's going to really in the end be the thing, sure. right? It's just a tool, the parents and the conversation. So we say, get the facts, arm the kids, continue the conversations and make that an iterative. So, um, we offer on defendyoungminds.com. You can subscribe to our newsletter. We just send it once a week, and we have articles that, that talk about technical things, that talk about parenting issues, discipline, and we talk about all just everything that you would need to think about as a parent in the digital age. So lots of parents will read those articles, and then that spurs them. Okay, how can I turn this into a conversation yeah. with my children? Some parents have a tech talk every Tuesday or Sunday night or, you know, a certain time. And they're just going to talk about um, what kids are facing in the digital age. So I think you can, you know, or if you if you're following our social media on Instagram or Facebook, you know, you can come up with all the topics and that can trigger a conversation with your kids. Yeah. Um, just and continue to revisit these principles in these books. I think that's very good. And finally, we have some excellent guides on defendyoungminds.com. Um, one of them is free, uh, several that are free. And uh, the most popular one is how to talk to kids about pornography. How do I talk to kids about pornography? And it's a quick start guide. It has facts. It has tips for having these conversations. Yeah. Um, and everything to kind of get you going on this journey. And I'll just add this, the sooner, the better, the earlier, the earlier you start, the safer they are, not only from pornography, but from actual sexual abuse because pornography is used as a grooming tool. So keep your kids safe from pornography. You're going to keep them much safer, safer from sexual abuse. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Christian Jensen, thank you so much. This is this is the elephant in the room, so it's so important that we talk about it. Thank you so much for the work you do and for talking with us. Thank you so much. It's been great to be here. All right, Trey, appreciate that conversation there. Crucial topic, and look, culture is wildly confused about all things sex, sexuality. Com couldn't be further from God's design for it, so... We, you can't assume that everybody, even in Christian circles that are influenced by all these outside pressures, are following a biblical principle for God's design. So it's important for us to constantly be checking in on that. So appreciate that story and that conversation. That's going to leave us with time here on this Friday Junior episode of the podcast for one last thing. 
First John 1 8. I love this verse. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And it just reminds me, you know, we can get on our high horse, think that we're smarter, better, that we're never wrong, but we're all sinful. We have sin in us and we've got to acknowledge that. So it's just a great reminder. Yeah. Yeah. Easy to play the comparison game, right? And and look and say, oh, look at how bad they are over there and kind of brush our own sin under the rug. Yeah. Well, I think that this verse is a perfect verse to go along with the focus story you were talking about, Billy, right? I think if we lean on our own understanding and we lean on, on what the world tells us, uh, we can get led astray pretty, pretty quickly by other people and even by ourselves. So it's important to, to have our priorities lined up in the right place. Absolutely. All right. That's a good spot to leave it here on Friday, Junior. Friday's almost here. Praying for everybody, obviously, in the path uh, of the recent hurricane down there in Florida and Georgia, experiencing storm surges. And you can you can help Operation Blessing, OB.org, if you want to help those people. We'll be there. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We'll be back tomorrow. God bless you then. <laughs>